Um, but welcome, welcome. This is the second week of Advent, and we are learning all about peace tonight. Last week, Adam spoke to us, and the message was about hope. And I'm going to be referencing that because certainly these things aren't isolated. We don't just learn about peace, and it's just an isolated thing. They kind of all go hand in hand. And so before I get into our scriptures, before we start talking about what does it even mean, why do we uh, talk about these things during the season of Advent, I'm going to give you a hypothetical and those of you who've been around church are probably going to pick up on where I'm going with this. But if you don't, just follow along with me. What if I told you that God was going to directly communicate with you and tell you you had a very, very important job, like one of the most important jobs um, coming up, and it had to be you? And you, he, you don't have any experience you don't have any training. This is totally not something you were expecting. In fact, it's something that nobody really has experience with because nobody's done this before. And you know that people are going to judge you. Maybe even the religious people are going to judge you the most because it might look different than the way you've been doing things. And you have no idea how it's going to happen, but you have about 100 scenarios in your head of how it could happen, and some of them are really scary. Oh, by the way, it's not me telling you, it's an angel of the Lord. And we don't know much about the angels of the Lord, but we know that the first words out of their mouth when they talk to people were generally what? Don't be afraid. So people tended to be afraid of angels. And so that tells us all we need to know. Um, there was something special there. Um, it was intimidating. I don't think they were scary, but certainly... Um, it was a really big deal. Um, and so before I get into this idea of an angel visiting Mary and kind of giving her that, I want to ask you, what are some reactions? Like, how were you feeling when I told you that? Or what are some reactions? Maybe not you. Maybe someone else might have. Yeah. In case you didn't hear that online, that was a great answer. I mean this in the most respectful way, but you're crazy. Who, me? Was anybody thinking that? Not me. Go pick Adam Wood, our head pastors, or go pick somebody else that has been worshiping God and serving God with their whole life and career forever. Um, not me. Um, anybody else? Any reactions? Fear, big time. Fear of what? Failure. I know I get nervous every single time I start a new school year because I'm about to meet all these students I don't know. If you don't know, teenagers are very critical of people they meet. And they, their face shows it. So you kind of have to win over a new crowd every year. And I have that little bit of fear every single year when I start a new school year. What else, anybody? It's a lot of pressure. What do we do when we have a lot of pressure? Sometimes we break down. Sometimes there are tears involved. Sometimes we run away. Sometimes we avoid it. Sometimes we kind of just pretend it isn't happening. Um, and sometimes we're, if we're accepting, we want it to happen 
right then. We want to know the details. We want to know the exact order. And I want to know what are the steps. Not just what do you want me to do, what are the steps. And I'm going to tell you a story about someone, um, my best friend. None of you know who she is. Um, well, some of you don't know who she is, but most of you do, and that'll make the story fun, especially because she's not in this room right now. Um, I like to say that this idea of peace is really put to the test when you have a flight, when you have to go to the airport, especially now. Um, and certainly, I could have used lots of examples. This is the funniest one. This is the most lighthearted, and I get to tell a little bit um, on someone. Some people, when they go through all the lines, are so relaxed. They've done it so many times, they know they're going to make their flight. They know it's going to be okay. They trust that they're not going to get stopped by TSA. They trust that their flight's going to be on time, which is kind of doesn't make sense to me. But they, they just think, why wouldn't it be? And they trust that everything's going to be great. And they just say, well, if it doesn't, I'll deal with it then. And then there's a whole second category of people. Anybody in here resonate with the second category of people that lose their minds until it's over? My best friend, Amy Kahn, um, she is a nervous wreck until we are basically boarding that aircraft. Usually when we clear security, it takes it down like a half. But until we've gotten on the plane and we're actually leaving, she's not afraid of flying. It's the waiting. It's the... What are all the things that could go wrong? And so I start with that because that's kind of more relatable to us. And sometimes it's easy to kind of focus on the big piece, world peace, peace when the really big things in life go down. Um, some of us are very eager to turn to God because we have to. But when it comes to the everyday things, um, we kind of just throw it all out the window, and we just act like we don't know anything. Um, and that's part of being human, but maybe we'll learn a little bit. And so the angel is going to visit Mary. She's very young. Um, not going to get into all of that, um, but she certainly wasn't expecting to be part of a major plan of God's. She was not considered important. She was probably considered one of the most important types of people. She was a young girl. She didn't have, she wasn't a higher class or had a lot of money. And so this gives kind of the setting for the story that you've all heard so many times. But I just ask that when you're listening to these words that we've heard so many times, that your heart's open to something that God is willing to teach you tonight, um, maybe look at it in a new way or learn something new. And so you'll see the words up here on the screen. I'm going to read out of the book of Luke. This whole Advent, we are going to look in the book of Luke. Um, last week, we looked at um, Elizabeth's pregnancy. And this picks up right where we left off. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. 
confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how could this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, and she has conceived, but she has conceived a son, and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. So, let's look at those verses a little bit. Um, we saw the don't be afraid. Did y'all see that this might have been um, the first time you saw those words confused and disturbed? Or maybe just you're in a time in your life where you understand what it means more to be confused and disturbed more than you did maybe the first time you heard the story. Um, confused and disturbed. Um, she thought, what is this? Why is an angel of the Lord visiting me? Her people, the Jewish people, would have been thinking the Messiah is going to come and save us. She would have been expecting that. She would not have been expecting an angel to come visit her. This would have been something that happened a long time ago to other people, but not to her at that time. And that's kind of how we think, too. Angels visiting people happened a long time ago. God speaking directly to people happened a long time ago. But not me, not here, not now. And after the angel started to tell her, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son, that would have been extremely shocking to her, more than Elizabeth. Yes, Elizabeth was in old age, and that is unlikely to happen. But for her, it would have been impossible for her to have a baby. So certainly her question but how can this happen isn't a hypothetical, but how did this happen? I mean, really, how did this happen? It's a, it's a serious question. Um, and the angel explains it to her. Maybe not every single detail, but he explains, this is the Holy Spirit. I'm sure she had follow-up questions. I'm sure you're thinking, if this was you, there would be a lot of follow-up questions. Um, we don't know what her questions she would have asked would be. But, you know, the human experience, people are different, but people are also very similar. We can see what would we have been like if we were in her shoes. Um, and the angel even explains about what happened to Elizabeth. So I'm sure she was very then more confused and maybe excited and thinking, I, 
I don't know what's happening. Something big is happening. But we know where she landed, where she rested. Um, because she ended with, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Um, like I said before, we know that her people were really waiting for this Messiah. And they were probably, a lot of them were thinking, I don't know if this will happen ever. But in my lifetime, probably not. And we know that they weren't expecting a baby in a really poor family because of how people reacted once Jesus was born. Um, we certainly know they weren't expecting someone like Mary to be the mother of God or that even the Messiah would be God. That's debatable on how much people even thought that or accepted it at that time. So she was really scared. Yeah. Who me? Are you crazy? I mean this in a respectable way, but are you crazy? Yeah. She could have been thinking that. I think, though, God, in all of his wisdom, knew Mary's heart, and he said she was favored. Um, and obviously, she is the mother of Jesus, so she was the best person for that job. Um, Mary had a lot of fears. We know even all throughout Jesus' life, and when he was a little boy, and he ran away, um, or didn't run away, but he was in the temple, and you know, they were on that caravan, if you know that story. She's like, where have you been? He's like, don't you know I was in my father's house? And she was probably scared then. And then when he started speaking these words and gathering disciples and making waves, I'm sure she was very scared for him because the Messiah they were hoping for wasn't somebody that would have been killed. It was somebody that would have been reigning as a king. And so her fear was really just beginning. She didn't even know how scared she was going to get. But I think even when she's watching her son die on a cross, um, and I can't imagine that type of fear, I think that where she rested is in the same place where she started. Um, there was lots of conflict, political even just within the family or within the town, within the religious leaders, there was a lot of conflict. Um, and I think she trusted God. I think she landed where I don't know much, but I know that our God loves us. And he has our best interest in mind. And we put all our faith in him. And so... There's going to be another slide up here, and when we think about our world today, so fast forward, you know, to now, what does this mean for us? How do we, what do we take away from this? There's always something, I think, when we read scriptures that we can think, how does this affect me? Um, how can I learn more about Jesus? How can I learn more about how to be God's people? Um, but then we get this, but our world. And I think it's easy for us to say our world seems darker than it's ever seemed. But I think every group of people, every generation has thought that. I'm not discounting all the problems we have. But I think that this is, again, part of the human experience. 
especially when you know God and know his love, I think it's very easy to look at the world and go, this is not how it was supposed to be. Jesus came. He showed us. He, he opened his kingdom. He showed us how to live. Some people follow him. But our reality and experiences, even as people who put our whole faith in God and Jesus, we still have lots of questions, lots of fears, lots of conflict. It's impossible to not get into conflict with other people. And sometimes it is our fault, and we have to accept that. It's not always the other person. A lot of times it is our fault. But even when it's not, there's still conflict. And just like that airport story, or just like when I told you, what if God gave you this huge job? It's easy with questions to say, don't ask those questions. God's got this. You're good. You don't even need to ask him. Just trust him. Have any of you gotten this advice before? Don't ask that question. Don't ask it. Just trust God. I think God loves questions. You want to know why I think God loves questions? Because Jesus asked a lot of questions when he was with us here on earth. He asked a lot of questions. He didn't always answer them, the ones posed to him, but he asked a lot of questions. And so I think when we ask questions, it's because we have that spirit. We're curious, but we're also looking at our world saying, what's up with this? Why is this different? Or who, me? I'm not ready. Questions are good. Um, even the really hard ones. God, where are you? God, what's going to happen to this person? God, why did that person die? God, I thought you called me to this job or to this area, and it is not like how I thought it would be. What's going to happen? I don't think I can do this forever. I mean, I think I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody because I don't want anyone of you thinking I'm making these questions about you, but really all of us can say we've asked these types of questions. We've had these fears. I know I've shared this with the church before, but when I was younger, I really did feel a calling. In the particular church I grew up in, um, I was really encouraged to seek out becoming a pastor's wife or to become a missionary to a foreign land because I was female. And I just knew that wasn't my calling. I knew neither of those were my calling. I can't even describe to you now how I knew that, but I think I've shared this. It never occurred to me that I was being called to be a pastor. And yeah, I'm not a full-time working pastor. I have another job, but I love pastoring the people of this church. And I know that God called me to this. And all the time, I think, who, me? <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Um, what is this going to look like? You know, a lot, our church does things some ways that haven't really been done before exactly like the way we do it. What is that going to look like? There has been conflict. There have been people who do not agree with women pastors. And this sermon is not about that. Um, and so there is conflict. And I've learned a lot through those tough conversations. And God's been very gracious to me and these people. So I think when these things, which will happen, do happen, God's not asking us to avoid, deny, run away, 
feel overwhelmed to where we can't take it on, I think God invites us um, to bring those experiences to him. And we don't have to do it like, yay, I'm so glad this really tough thing is happening. I think when we're not ready, we can tell God we're not ready. He knows it. He knows our hearts and our minds anyway. It's just like I was thinking about this. Um, A friend of mine had kids that were, they recently started school. And some kids are very excited to go to school for the first time or kindergarten. Some kids are like, nope, I like being at home all day. (laughs) Especially those pandemic kids that were really at home with their parents all day every day. And then they got to go to school, be away from mom and dad who they love. Why would they do that? And the parents aren't saying, yeah, go to school. It's fine. Why are you afraid? It'll be fun. I think acknowledging, I think God thinks of us as like those little kids that are afraid of a new experience. And he welcomes us to bring those to him, to be honest, to be vulnerable, and to share these experiences with each other so that we know we're not alone when we experience them. Um. This idea of Jesus being the Prince of Peace, that's something that I never really understood um, because I didn't view Jesus as the Prince of Peace because I didn't think my life was that peaceful. Um, My inner life was that peaceful for a while. Um, Peace on earth. Yeah, that would be great. We have that big peace. We have peace about big events. And then we have the every day. Um, And now I kind of see it as he's where we find peace. It's with him. Um, I know I'm referencing a lot of scriptures tonight, but it's because these words remind me of other stories. And so I'm not going to lead us there in the scriptures, but I want to remind you of a time when the disciples were in a boat and a storm was coming. And they were very afraid, afraid for their lives. And then Jesus was there. And he says, don't be afraid. Not because it's stupid. Don't be afraid. Of course, they were afraid. It was a storm. They were in a boat. They, I mean, being afraid is totally normal. I kind of see it as Jesus was saying, you don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm here. And us living on this side of the resurrection We get to live that reality all the time, and that's a big thing. Um, Dallas Willard is kind of like a hero to me. I love a lot of his words, and he says a few things about peace, um, about peace not being an absence of conflict, not being an absence of fear, but being shalom. I haven't said that word yet, Um, but being a shalom, a fullness of life. Um, and then he says this, peace is a rest of will that comes from divine assurance about how things will turn out. Not plan, uh, step one through a hundred of the plan, just how things will turn out. And this harkens back to last week when we talked about hope and God's good end. And this is what we celebrate in the season of Advent when we're talking about Jesus' birth. 
waiting for this idea of God's kingdom to come in on earth, for God to reveal himself to his people in a new way. So we don't need to rush to the end of the story, but we hope. We hope for God's good end. And just to go back to Mary one more time, and thinking about all the things she didn't know, um, she didn't know all those fears and everything would happen, but she also didn't know that she would be revered for all, for all of history. Can you imagine, you know, the same young girl that was judged and horrible things were thought about her for that time. People didn't believe her when she said, an angel visited me and said this was going to happen. The horrible things that were probably said to her and things she had to deal with in her life. And obviously, raising Jesus was full of challenges um, and blessings. And then she got to see it all, though. Not just the death, but the resurrection. She got to see the church in action. She got to see Jesus' words coming to life when the Holy Spirit came upon people. She got to see other people go out and, and continue on the work. She got to be a part of that. You know, I think Mary, even though she was young, knew, wow, this seems early for me. Even though women did have children early back then. And us too. We think, I'm not ready for this thing yet. Whatever it is. It's different for everybody. And Elizabeth had been waiting for that exact thing. A baby. For so long. And had basically given up hope. And I think that's true for a lot of us. When we think about the big desires. Or the big pains in our heart. The things that really, really cut to your heart. When people close to you die. When a friendship or a family relationship is completely broken. Those are the things that really cut your heart. And I think it always feels too early. And then you're always waiting for it to be fixed. God's timing is... A strange thing. I don't have a lot to say about it, but I just want to acknowledge it. And when we're doing this work that seems so difficult to take on, I do want to remind you of a few things. There's really good news. It's not our work. When God calls you to do something really big, it's really not your work. It's his work. And he knows full well what you're capable of. So you don't have to worry about not being good enough. It's, I'm going to say it's okay if you do because it's kind of human nature. But bring it to him and move past it because it's his work. It's not really our work. Also, we don't have to do it alone. We have faith. We put one foot in front of the other. We hope in God's plan. And then we rest in God's providence, which is really what peace is about. In this church, if anything I've seen in this last, not even year, but just like month, 
really. We carry each other's burdens. We share the responsibility. Um, we grieve together. We've grieved a lot together very recently, and we'll continue to do so because that's the reality of life. Um, I'm sure when Adam was called to start a new church, he had a lot of fears and questions, and there has been a lot of conflict. And again, I'll say it again, it's a great thing that Adam is able to do a wedding and celebrate that and not have to be here every single time we have a Saturday night. It's great that Kelly can be with her friend who lost her sister and grieve with her friend and not have to be here playing piano. Um, those are beautiful things. I love peace because it's part of Advent, and it's also part of our core practices. So if you haven't been around a while or if you're new um, listening or here, you don't know, we have five core practices of our church, and one of them is bring peace. We will review all of this in January, but I didn't want to leave it out that this is something our church feels very called to do. Um, of course, we're receiving this peace from God. But then we're also called to bring it forth in the world, a world that really needs it. Because we know, because we really need it, just in our own personal lives. So we commit to partner with God in his mission. It is his mission to bring his shalom. So I said shalom earlier. You're like, what is that? You haven't heard that before. It's a Hebrew word. And holistic peace, well-being. It's a much more robust word than peace is the way we think of it. And we bring that to our neighborhood and to the world. That's what we strive towards. That's what we feel called to as a church. And so during Advent, it may be that you are being really encouraged to seek out this peace in your own life. Asking God to receive his peace. It could be that this is something you've learned. And you're being called to bring forth peace to the neighborhood and the world in a different way. In a way I couldn't even think of it. And if you're really struggling with this idea that God is a peaceful God... Because not everybody really believes that. They say they do, Jesus, Prince of Peace. But then their words about who they think God is and how he interacts with our world doesn't seem peaceful. And if that's something that's difficult for you, I will tell you something that has really helped me is reading Psalm 23. Um, back um, in just a few weeks ago, well, about a month ago, um, I kind of got it in me to read Psalm 23, and I said I was going to do it every day for two weeks, and I've really actually kept it up. I've missed some days, um, but I read it more days than not, and I kind of keep switching translations so to, just to keep the message fresh. I'm going to read you Psalm 23 in the message translation. It is not on the screen. I didn't want it to be on the screen. I want you to hear these words. And if it resonates with you, you can take up what I'm calling the Psalm 23 challenge. Um, it's not magic. It's just a way to connect with God. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have met, bedded me down in lush meadows, and you find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. 
and send me in a right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You served me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies, and you revive my drooping head and my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. And so I'm going to pray, then we'll take communion like we do every week. And then the worship band will come back up here. We'll sing. And I really hope that you leave this place. Again, knowing that God is extending peace to you all the time, to our whole world, to you in your heart for the really big things, but also just to the everyday little things like catching a flight, driving in your car, teaching, going to work, disciplining your kids, getting to bed on time, what to do when you didn't get enough sleep, all of the things. Lord, I just thank you that you constantly remind us who you are and how much you love us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to show us how to live, to bring us peace, to die, to resurrect, and to be king. Thank you for bringing your kingdom to this world. Thank you for giving us a glimpse of what it will eventually look like in the new heavens and the new earth. We thank you for that future, and we ask that we get get to continually glimpse that, and we get to live with the reality that that is happening. We ask that you would show us, the Neighborhood Church, how to bring peace to our neighbors, to the people in this church, and to the world. It's a big task, Lord. You've called us to do it, and so I ask that you would prepare us to listen to our fears and our doubts and love us through it and continuously guide us along this path. Thank you, Lord. Faithful God, you chose Mary, full of grace, to be the mother of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now fill us with your grace that like her we may understand your ways Rejoice in your salvation and embrace your will. May your peace be within us and around us as we face another week, trusting that our faithful God is with us on the journey ahead, even when we don't know every step. We go in peace to love God 